This is an RNZ podcast. One for a party, one for a person. One for a party, one for a person. Are you for a doing what? Practicing, one for a person. Practicing what? MMP. You may not realise it, but I'm able to make two votes this election. One for a party and one for a person. It's a great responsibility and I don't want to muck it up. Good thinking, Walt. Well, foot rot there of foot rot flats fame in a special election advert from back in 1996 explaining how to vote under MMP for the first time. Now, Murray Ball's cartoon creation was still popular in the Daily Papers three years before that when people voted to adopt that system itself. And MMP campaigners actually used wall foot rot in a poster. However, just like the first past-the-post system, foot rot flats itself had already been consigned to history by the time of that first MMP poll in 1996. Murray Ball shut the gate on the cartoon the year before because, according to some accounts, he was disillusioned with politics, while other people said it was because he didn't think it represented the New Zealand of the 1990s anymore. And that's a bit ironic, given that that was one reason for changing the electoral system itself at the time. Now those foot rot flats public education ads were dusted off by the media last week for the 25th anniversary of that first MMP election, an anniversary that was marked, among others, by RNZ and Newsroom's co-produced podcast, The Detail. The nerds, basically. When does this raise the hackles of the nerds? It's fair to say that, you know, among political scientists, this was, was, this was kind of a discussion that was always you know, going on once the discipline kind of got established. It was, there were proportional systems in other places, in places like Europe, especially kind of in post-war Europe. And, uh, you know, it was natural to compare New Zealand's system to theirs. That was the voice of Henry Cook, senior political journalist at Stuff, who, in spite of having a pandemic response to cover, and regular politics as well, found the time recently to write a four-part series about how MMP has changed regular politics as we know them today. And under the headline, How Politicians Let Voters Destroy Their Way of Life in Three Short Years, he described how a radical dream became political reality in one chaotic decade, despite, in his words again, almost everyone in power hating the idea. And then Henry Cook wrote about the unpredictability of MMP during the first few years in the late 1990s, giving way eventually to more stability in the new millennium under, in Henry's words again, prime ministers who have made MMP look boring. And then that culminated a year ago with the first first-past-the-post style victory in the MMP era. Now, the first anniversary of that was also marked last weekend with the release of the New Zealand Electoral Study, a survey of almost 4,000 voters that's completed after every election by the University of Auckland and Victoria University of Wellington and the Electoral Commission. Now, this is designed to test some of the factors that might have influenced voters' behaviour and, as the researchers put it, the interplay of variables that might just determine an election result. And it's much more comprehensive as a survey than those political opinion polls that are commissioned by the news media. But while those are heavily reported by the media throughout an election cycle, the New Zealand Education Study, not so much. Though the university-funded news website The Conversation did publish a cut-out-and-keep summary of the findings last weekend on what it called the anniversary of a landslide. So, what did this reveal? Well, unsurprisingly, 2020 was indeed a COVID election, they concluded. When asked what people thought was the most important issue, the resulting word cloud had COVID and letters big enough to be seen from space, and just about everything else was opticians' wall chart type stuff. And it also said there was little evidence for claims made at the time that Labour's gains in provincial electorates were the result of strategic voting by people who were worried about Green Party policies and water reform. 
The survey's authors concluded that keeping a swathe of new supporters on side, along with the existing ones, is now the Labour Party's electoral challenge. And even though the Labour Party won an outright majority in 2020, echoing the old first-past-the-post days, there are of course now five parties in Parliament, and not two as there would have been back in the day. But while Henry Cook claimed in his series on MMP for Stuff that recent Prime Ministers have made MMP look boring, that certainly wasn't the case the first time round 25 years ago. And one signature moment of that election was the ACT Party's unexpected debut win in Wellington Central, which was captured in an extraordinary fly-on-the-wall film called Campaign. Now, fearing that a narrow defeat in the overall election would happen if Labour seized the seat because the right-wing vote would be split in Wellington Central, National Party leader Jim Bolger pulled the rug out from under his own candidate without actually informing the unfortunate Mark Thomas, and the camera of documentary maker Tony Sutorius captured it all. OK, because we want to we draw in the sympathy vote, because people will, people will react against Bolger, uh, you know, I'm, 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 yeah, look, I'm not interested in, in sour grapes or anything. I'm interested in getting the best spin out of this. Um, and I'm, I'm just thinking that, um, I mean, should I say anything like, I, I think it's surprising the Prime Minister who doesn't comment on polls would make that comment on the basis of one poll. Um, I've led in all polls. Because, I mean, it's bizarre that he made the comment. No, actually, what, what I could say is I'm sure, I'm sure that what he meant is that Preble is going to get in on the list. Well, that was quite a vignette of the new world of MMP, the likes of which we hadn't seen before in a documentary, and actually we haven't seen in one since. Tony Sutorius, though, is still making them. Indeed, he told me that another fly-on-the-wall film from the 2020 election campaign is under production. But first I asked him, did he think that campaign from 1996 would still be remembered when MMP turned 25 in 2021? It was an unusual time. There was all this talk about a new age of consensus politics and this big influx of young people into politics, you know, that I'd never seen anything like in my life. I mean, I, did, I wasn't really conscious that people would still be talking about it in 25 years, but it did feel like an important time. But the actual scenes that you captured were extraordinary, that up-close, fly-on-the-wall stuff. And I guess having captured that and having it talked about 25 years later... Because, I mean, I guess you're not exactly living off the royalties or anything, but it has lasted the test of time. <laughs> yeah, oh, look, I really do feel proud about it. It, it, was a, it, was a, it was a real shot in the dark for me at the time. You know, I'd done a little bit of television work and so forth, but it was my first big project. The technology had just arrived that made it practical for one person working alone to go out and film all day long because I had no budget and, and no support. So that's all I had was me and this tiny camera. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that it actually was possible to, to capture something from that time that feels like it still means something. You know, it wasn't always clear at the time that that's what was happening. Um, so I'm really glad that it has. Really pleased. Well, in the run-up to the last election, which I guess ironically returned, you know, the least MMP result we've ever had under MMP, uh, the spin-off yeah. took a look back at campaign and um, oh. pointed out that uh, it was Alex Bray who did the uh, the chat with you, and he pointed out that this was made at a time when uh, perhaps not many politicians had had formal media training, particularly just candidates in a local electorate. Um, do you believe that it would not be possible to catch uh, moments like that, you know, unguarded moments from candidates uh, in the in the same way in that fly-on-the-wall style anymore? Um, no, not really. I think it is possible. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. People have been saying that it wouldn't be possible since before I did it um, 25 years ago. 
I, I think it's it's more possible than it seems in a way because for, for two reasons. One is because politicians, like everyone else, generally really aren't ashamed of what they are. You know, we, we might look at it and think that it means this or that, but if, if it's if it's honest to them, generally, you know, at least within their human self, they're, they're okay about it. I think the other thing is, um, you know, if you're around for a long time, um, particularly during the, 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 the sort of furnace heat of an election campaign, uh, and you're not kind of being an active kind of, you know, not being a dick to them, they, they tend to actually just kind of, you, you slot into this little brain place of being vaguely supportive. So so people had quite friendly relationships with me. I sort of, I think I was seen as being almost akin to, to one of their supporters. I didn't do anything to encourage that, but I think that's just been how people saw it. I've recently shot a new project with Billy TK during the last election campaign, which is actually very similar to campaign, and Jamie Lee Ross. And, you know, the same thing happened. I mean, people who have media training, you know, they can't keep it up 24-7 and over weeks. And actually, it's better that they don't. I think the honest view of them is actually often not as bad as people imagine it would be. You know, I don't think there's too many villains in campaign, and I think that's actually generally true of politics. Is this going to be like the inside story of Advance New Zealand and uh, its bid to um, to get into Parliament in 2020? Um, well, yeah, effectively, that's what I shot. It's, it, when you're a filmmaker, it's not just a question of giving people a platform. I mean, people don't need filmmakers for that anymore. That's the big change, I suppose, in the last 25 years. They just whip out their cell phone and do their own. You know, a filmmaker does something else. They, they actually create a coherence and provide a sort of a... an attitude and a tone that they bring to it that I think can really open up the the meaning that's sitting just below the surface of a lot of that stuff. You know, you actually understand what's going on with people a little bit more, which I think is a a very important thing in a democracy. One point you made in that interview a year ago was uh, about making campaign in 1996 was the size of the camera. You know, it was actually quite significant. You were saying back then, digital cameras, the ones we were using quite small and people were a lot less guarded around them because the expectation, I guess, then was that a, a TV or movie camera was, you know, a thing the size of, you know, four or five bread bins that you have on your shoulder. And now the absolute reverse is true, right? Everybody knows there's a camera on anything. You may not even know that someone is filming you. Is that actually pretty critical to the way politicians with their antenna up will behave very differently, you know, when they know there's a device that can record them? That's true. But the other thing is, you know, generally speaking, those devices are only around for 10 minutes at a time, you know, um, and it's it's just really hard to keep that up over an extended period of time. You tend to get to a much more human and kind of day-to-day sort of place quite quickly. Two of the protagonists, uh, the uh, unfortunate candidates, let's put it like that, uh, Alex Shaw, who was the Labour candidate in 96, and Mark Thomas for, for the National Party, uh, spoke about their experiences. And, um, you know, I think for them the film was pretty gruelling when it came out, possibly took them by surprise from memory as they spoke about it. But And they themselves wondered whether a lot of election campaigns might end up like this in electorates around the country and under MMP. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, the, the the irony of campaign, really, the whole story that, that gave that its juice was the fact that in this heightened expectation of this... Um, idealistic time in New Zealand politics, you know this weird technical business of the of the party votes and of like the you know one candidate thing to you know sneak in the party list members and so forth. It, it just felt like a, a kind of a rort, you know. It didn't really feel fair. No one was expecting that to come from MMP. It was kind of buried way down in the fine print. 
and suddenly it became this critical factor in determining the government. It was it, it felt like a betrayal at the time. And yeah, you're right. I think a lot of people thought that it would become a huge part of MMP, and indeed it has become pretty significant ever since. Well, as that 25th anniversary ticked over um, just last week, there's been a lot in the media looking back on it. But, I mean, none that I have seen have actually reflected on perhaps the role of the media in kind of reporting or whether the, the media has, obviously the politics have changed, but whether the media have, have got to grips with it. And I wonder, I mean, you're not a, a day-to-day political journalist or anything like that, but as an observer, and you run a film company which part of its mission is to you know help to strengthen and support democracy, you're quite serious about that. Um, so do you feel that the way our media report politics is still, as some critics claim, a bit too much horse race, a bit too much focused on to the leadership of the two major parties and so on and, and polling mm-hmm. results and electoral cycles that are as if the next election was tomorrow and not, you know, two and a bit years away? It's an interesting question. You know, I think that there's a, a slightly odd symbiotic um, relationship between both politicians and journalists not quite getting to grips with MMP. It's still, to my great surprise, 25 years later, you know, all of these tiny little parties still seem to think it's necessary to set themselves up as kind of shadow governments and, you know, just just as if they're going to be in power all by themselves next week. You know, having spokespeople for this and spokespeople for that and policies on every single thing and so on and so on. It strikes me that MMP, you'd think, would lend itself much more to a sort of activism model, you know, where uh, like basically single-issue parties or parties that, you know, were dealt with a particular part of government that was important to enough people to get them elected and and would, would try to be part of every government, you know. You know, that's probably partly to do with the fact that the media doesn't really support that model. It feels to me that... There really is a, a, an opening for uh, people to bring particular issues that, that that can bring a broad coalition together around an urgent issue. I mean, you know, you could have, for example, the Housing Affordability Party or, or some sort of environmental movement that was focused on creating the sorts of changes that didn't need to have an entire ideology associated with them because they're more urgent and pressing. Point, but if they did do that, if, if they stop, as you put it, trying to pretend to be shadow administration ready to take over, if only they could persuade enough people to vote for them. Yeah, if, really, if, everyone. <laughs> if, they did, if they did really arrow in on just narrow points of interest or single issues, do you think the media would take them particularly seriously? I mean, already it's like a competition when an issue comes up or a, something the government does and then there's four other parties firing out press releases um, or for other um, parliamentary parties, not to mention the ones outside of parliament. Do you think that anything that didn't look like it was a credible political force uh, would just kind of be left off the, the charts? The media wouldn't need to take them seriously or not. I mean, they should take them seriously because, you know, if somebody ends up getting into parliament with perhaps 4% of the vote, under the, uh, if, if that changes... Um, that could hold the balance of power, you know, or even if it doesn't, they could be a valuable coalition partner or some sort of crossbench, um, you know, power broker that could actually achieve those things. You know, on the one hand, they wouldn't have this kind of wide ability to change lots of stuff, but on the other hand, that's not their promise, right? They're there to achieve a particular thing. I, I reckon there's space for it. And, you know, the, the Māori Party uh, is, is is showing some, some I think, some smarts in that area. Um, and I expect that this will happen more and more. And I suspect that actually in some ways might be quite a good thing.
Yeah, something to wait for in the next 25 years of MMP or whatever comes <laughs> yeah, next. 25 years. We'll, we'll compare notes, see if it happens. Yeah, that's right. We'll see you back on Media Watch in 2046. <laughs> and looking at the site for your company, uh, Unreal Films, um, you actually have specialised a bit in filming in and around elections, even uh, seems like a, a series of sort of public service type uh, broadcasts and advertisements um, for electioneering in Australia, things like that. Is this an area that you're genuinely uh, interested in? Because it seems like you've, you've carved out a bit of a niche in this that most production companies or filmmakers um, wouldn't consider sort of core business. Yeah, I, I, for me, democracy is, is is the greatest triumph of our civilization. Seriously, I mean, when I mean, I, I, as as a result of the work you're talking about, I've I've been in some fairly hair-raising places. I was in Bougainville um, in the lead-up to the independence referendum in 2019. And, you know, it, it's a place where it felt very possible that was going to become, you know, the, the war could have started again. It could have become violent and dangerous. Um, it is a miracle that on the Sunday after election day, nobody thinks I'm going to pick up an AK-47 and run down Lambton Key and sort this out for myself. But nobody does. Yeah, we shouldn't underestimate that, you know, and I, I think it's it's very important to keep everyone within kind of the, the, the larger waka of being able to have that contest and participate in that contest. It's it's not something that should be limited to, to just certain parties or certain traditions. It, it should seriously be something that everybody does because if anyone's pushed out of that um of feeling like they can participate in democracy, then what are they going to do next? You know, nothing good, I think, as far as the rest of us are concerned. So, yeah, democracy, from my point of view, it's, 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 a, it's a beautiful and precious and fragile thing, and we take it so for granted, which is wonderful. But, um, it, you know, I think as world events have shown in, in the US, for example, it can become really fragile really quickly if we don't value it enough and, and put enough energy into keeping it healthy. And uh, I gather there are moves afoot to change uh, our uh, electoral system, another review going on. When the first one was launched into MMP, um, as Henry Cook noted in his series, it was barely mentioned uh, in the papers. There was so yeah. much upheaval in the 1980s at the time that uh, you know a, a, a yeah. probe into our electoral system didn't really rate, and yet um, it, it caused um, effectively a revolution in our politics. So if... Uh, yeah. If we do stick with MMP, maybe uh, it gets to a 50th anniversary. Will you be deeply disappointed if um, <laughs> campaign is not being resurrected as a memento of the very first one, and, you know, beamed by 3D hologram into um, homes around the, the country uh, in uh, whatever it would be, um, you, know, you know, 2046? <laughs> well, I thought I felt old at the start of this interview. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'd be absolutely delighted if people still found something in it that was useful to them. You know, I, I think it'd be nice if it felt like we had um, moved on a little bit in, in our in our political culture. I, I think it's probably fair to say we haven't moved all that far since in the last twenty five years. But you know, there's there's some things that ought to change. You know, for example, you know, just the simple the the, the basic story of campaign is about the fact that Richard Preble and and the ACT Party at the time realised that if they won Wellington Central, then they could get list MPs without needing to pass the 5% threshold. That's a strange rule. And, you know, even Richard Preble's campaign manager in the film says it's a strange rule. It's weird. 
and yet there it is. I mean, it's it's time that was changed. I think you know the 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 um yeah, the yeah vote, vote for one uh, candidate get six MPs or something was the slogan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and you know what? It's it's a it's a it's a pretty compelling message, really. And and he he was pretty ruthless and and clear about executing it. And and it and you know it made a huge difference. It's it's just silly. We should, I mean, you know, the, the basic mission of democracy should be to give people what they vote for with as few kind of complications and twists and turns as possible. I, I, just, I think that one needs to be um, ironed out a bit, as, as the Electoral Commission recommended way back in 2012, was it? Um, I, I think that's being looked at again, and I, I think that's really good. You know, that would be an improvement for New Zealand. Well, something similar might have, I'm guessing, was, was the strategy for the Advanced New Zealand, you know, Billy TK... Jamie Lee Ross team up, uh, you know, to try and get as many votes as possible um, and then win a seat and do the same thing, coattail a few MPs. And you know, if they could have got enough, it would have worked for them. I guess they got nowhere near it in the end. Uh, but no. is that the story we're going to see uh, when, you know, the inside story of that campaign comes to a cinema uh, near us when you're finished with that? Yeah, well, I think... I mean, from my point of view, there was something very interesting happened there where you had a sort of, you know, you had a a, tr- a true believer, um, you know, in a, in a fairly fringy sort of a place. And there's always quite a few of those around the political scene. But then kind of this this quite odd alliance breaking out with a, with a sort of mainstream retail politician. Um, and, you know, although it didn't actually end up leading, uh, you know, anywhere... Um, impactful in terms of votes it, for a while there it looked like it might and you know I think the important thing about it is that the forces that were at work there are, are still out in the out in the community and, and and it'll happen again you know and and actually the the story there is bigger than um you know the issues of right now around around you know vaccination and COVID and so forth it's actually about a pretty significant slice of the community feeling really, really disenfranchised and um, feeling that, that the state is not to be trusted and, and not to be kind of collaborated with. Um, and yet they were they were willing to give it a try, you know, in terms of like the actual political process. I think, um, you know, whatever you think of them, um, the fact that they were sort of in the tent uh, was probably in everyone's interests. And, you know, I, it, it, it's, it's worth considering the implications of the fact that, that, you know, those people are still out there and those forces are still at work. Uh, you know, that we haven't seen the, back, the end of that. Brilliant. And can you tell us, give us a rough idea of when we may be able to, um, to see that, uh, the results of that and where? We're still negotiating that, but I think um, uh, people should uh, look for it next year. They'll see it at some point next year. That was Tony Sertorius from Unreal Films, who made the Fly on the Wall film campaign about the contest for Wellington Central in the first MMP election back in 1996. And as we heard there, he's got another one under production, focusing on Advanced New Zealand and Billy TK's unsuccessful tilt at Parliament in the 2020 election and the fallout from that.